0: Obviously that things are happening around us, things that's out of our control. I'm going to try my best this morning, but do the best I can. I've been handicapped for the last couple of months with this COVID thing, going around in that my glasses broke and nobody wants to let you in the hospital the VA to, actually they cancelled all my appointments but anyway I'm doing the best I'm forced this morning to use readers <laughs> so I've picked a subject that Obviously, every time that you speak to the children of God, whether you be in person or on the Internet or whatever, you would like to be able to cover subjects that's of interest, and sometimes we wonder why there is a lacking. Nowadays around us. I'm going to begin my. Discourse this morning. In. Reading a scripture reading. Found from Luke. The 14th chapter. Beginning with verse 25. And it says. And there went. Great multitudes. With him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whatsoever doth not bear the, his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, setteth down, not down, first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold him begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king setteth not down first, and consulteth, whether he be able with ten thousand, to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple." It's interesting as we begin our Christian walk, our Christian life, sometimes we have to sit down and contemplate what we should do and shouldn't do, who we're going to have to give up and not give up. But that's not the gist of what I want to discuss per se this morning. It's part of it, yes, but not the exact thrust. It's obvious as we look around us. We definitely live in troublesome times. We read in Matthew 24, verses 38 through 39, those two verses. For it was in the days that were before the flood, that they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In just reading that, you have to listen to the subtle mention there. Obviously in the time of the flood they ignored Noah. They ignored what was going on. They were just going about as everyday life, not any concerns whatsoever of what was happening. And yet it indicates that In spite of the fact that they, until the day, they entered the ark and knew not that the flood came and took them away. That was in the past. But so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. When we look around us and we take the message to those around us, we begin to see a total lack of concern within our society. People don't seem to care about anybody. We see all kinds of people doing as they please. It doesn't matter what the word of God may say, but they want to do as they please. They have the attitude that they don't want to be under subjection. Individuals thinking that they are serving God by choosing what they think is right, but the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto man. But the ways thereof is death. So we can't always rely on our thinking. You read in Jude 1, first, chapter one and 18, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last times, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Second Timothy. But evil men shall wax, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceiving. That's Chapter 2 Timothy 3:13. Oh, we look around us and we see what's going on in the world. Is not everything that we've read so far in these few short verses? Exactly what we see. We see all kinds of lying, conniving, stealing, and murder, all kinds of sexual sins out in the society. We see divorce and cheating on one spouse, and fraud and every, everything else that we could possibly name. Terrible time, and we know that from Scripture that there's an indication how terrible it was, and it grieved God before the flood, because men's minds was constantly on wickedness. Well, Timothy, First Timothy four one says now expressively that in the latter times some should depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's pretty much in a nutshell boiled down in just a few text selections. You wouldn't want to sit here to listen to all the warnings, especially this morning, but That's what we see going on in the world. What the scripture has to say. But it behooves us to search ourselves and to examine ourselves and see where we stand. I want to talk just a little bit about our Christian walk. In Romans 13 and verse 11 through 14. And knowing that in, and that knowing the time that is that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than ever when we nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent the day is at hand let us Therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in noting and rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strive and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof and then just casually looking at Galatians the 5th chapter 5:16 tells us to walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh these are just some of the things that's occurring today. <clears throat> we I might want to mention the fact I shuffled my paper before I notes before I should have, but What I want to discuss with you this morning is just how serious is our obedience to God. And it needs to be soundly sought out and followed. And I'm going to only use one illustration this morning out of the many that I could have chose to illustrate how serious is our obedience. And see, if we can't somehow identify that maybe sometimes we are guilty of trying to use the same excuses. I'm not going to read everything, But I'm going to allude to it, and you can take it in your notes. If you want to read 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 through 35, that basically covers the entire story. But I'm going to give you the highlights. In chapter 1, uh, verse 1, it says, And Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people and Israel. Now therefore heed the words, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Samuel telling Saul to give heed. In verse 2 we read, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will punish the Amalekites for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt and go and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Sound horrible. But that was God's punishment on these wicked amulites. And did they do what they were asked to do? We're going to find out because we're going to analyze the story. Skipping to verse 7 it says And Saul attacked the Amalites going to verse 9 we see that but Saul and the people spared Agag <clears throat> and the best of the sheep the oxen The fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. So, what did they do? They done the attack, like they said, and they destroyed. But Agag happened to be the king, they saved spared him, and he spared other animals as well, which we'll read just a moment. But the word of the God came into Amla, Samuel, saying, "I greatly regret, I greatly regret." That I have set up Saul as king, for he hath turned back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. Here he's the word told, uh, God's word told him to do such and such. He chose not to follow the commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. It's interesting now. <clears throat> we was talking a little bit in Sabbath school about prophets and some of those. But here were the prophet Samuel. He talked to the Lord and prayed, cried out in prayer all night long. Then skipping to verse 13, then Saul went Samuel went to Saul. And Saul said unto him. Now this is what the king of Israel, Saul, said. Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Did he? He was a liar. And you've heard the old expressions, liars, liars, pants on fire. And it gets us in trouble all the time. But he didn't. He didn't follow the words. But personally, he thought that he had performed the commandment. Now I want you to pay close attention as we're following along. I'm skipping to verse 14. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the ox which I hear? He'd no more got it. but uh, Probably he hadn't even said it yet. But Samuel still yet heard in the background the noises of these animals that they chose to save, the best. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. But now I want you to pay close attention to what Samuel has to say. Then Samuel said unto Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said unto him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little, in your own eyes were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And when the Lord anoints you king over Israel, now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they were consumed. Kind of gets the idea that we can't, make choices of our own. Then going to 19, verse 19, why then, having said that, why then did you not destroy? Or why did you then not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel. Here's another argument back. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Lie number two. In my list. He lied the first time we we obeyed. Here he uh, repeats it again. and, And with another lie and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, the king of the Amalekites, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Hmm. Look at the self-justification that Saul was guilty of. And yet he claimed to have obeyed the commandment of the Lord. When he plainly didn't. And he plainly lied to the prophet twice. <clears throat> but you know we are guilty. It's very easy for us to inject Self justification in th- little things that we do that might be in contrary or isn't contrary to what the Word says. We tried to say that we, we're living everything by standard, and really it's just a self justification, it hasn't been. And I'd like to ask the question and you can take it home with you and consider it or there that wherever you might be, those that are listening, but have you ever justified some act or action you did with untruth? Or some other excuse. Now it's. Interesting. I'm not going to share it. In their use talking about. Prophecy this morning. But when Samuel turned away from Saul. There was an interesting aspect. But I'll. Mention that in just a second. So Samuel said. Hath the Lord as great delight. In burnt offerings and sacrifice. As in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion. Is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness. Is an iniquity, is as iniquity and adultery. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he hath rejected you from being the king. It's interesting to read in analyzing this passage. Saul had another comeback. He's twice said he did what he said. Then Saul said, I've sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Behold, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Apparently,
1: he didn't have a lot of control if that was what he was trying to
0: argue was truth because He didn't even have control of his own people, but actually it was another excuse. Excuses will get you never nowhere. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me for I, that I may worship with the Lord. Excuses. Excuses will not get us anywhere. It will not remedy anything that we do. If we've not followed his word, excuses is not good enough. But it's In all bitterness, and we're going to see it. One, I'm only going to use one text later on, but anyway. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have, that's verse 26, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So Saul said unto him, The Lord hath torn the kingdom, of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor. Yours, neighbor of yours, who is better than you for the Lord, for he or for God. There would be an easy substitute. It's not a man that he should relent. He said something, and he said so. But even so, then and then he said, "I have sinned. You you honor me not now. Please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me, that I am they worship the Lord your God I can almost hear him crying pleading with Samuel to go with him nevertheless Samuel mourned and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death nevertheless Samuel mourned for Saul and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel It comes down to this. In this passage, and I didn't read the verse, but it was interesting. In the course of this arguing back and forth, Saul reached out and grabbed Samuel's garment and tore it. And then he comes along and says, inasmuch as you have disobeyed. You have been torn or done away with. So I thought brought that out as an interesting aspect. But the question is: Can we not learn that God's uh, learn that what God commands we must obey without exception? Or excuse? We might say without modifying it to suit our own circumstances as well. Disobedience on the part of Saul cost him his kingship. But our attitudes. Currently, today, of many, many saying, thinking, I am doing such and such for the Lord, which they are not, and can be very dangerous for whoever the doer is. It's a dire warning. Do as he said. He didn't give the commandments per se in the scriptures, just to fill up space in his word. He intended you to obey him. and there's tons of verses that says. But now I want to. We heard Saul and Samuel's discourse to some extent but i want to read two verses i said one but it's two in matthew 7:21 actually it's three not every one that saith unto the lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers, of iniquity. That was Christ speaking there. And it's sad to say, but we have many, many people thinking that they're preaching or teaching what is right. And in some cases they're doing Almost miraculously in some areas. And yet, when it comes to the final time to when they'll give account for it, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Never knew you. What a sad thing. So, we could num- name a lot of things, but just as illustration, that goes on in the world just how obedient are we just how serious is our obedience to the Lord in our mind in our soul as we go about our daily living when God said the illustration is, in particularly the Sabbath it's bent ever which direction. But when he says even to even ye must, It he means just that. In years past, people think that they're doing good. And it's only created problems, not only for them spiritually, but for others in the like line. I can't help but think of a hospital worker who I've used in the past, and I will name no names, but thought that they were doing good. So yeah, they would allow themselves in an emergency situation or whatever or actually none emergency as far as the hospital is concerned, to go in to work. And I've had people come to me that were nurses and say, why did such an an individual, such the individual's name, which I won't say, why did they do that? Now, every time I go in there, why so-and-so did this, I can't, why can't you? Well, that's the problem. When scripture says that we're to keep his commandments, he means it. Not the whitewash them. I could go a long ways in that, but I won't. And that means to keep them without deviation Or what we think are best. That means without injecting our own private interpretation. How can anyone think they will be given a pass whenever it comes to judgment day? Scripture says the wages of sin is death and not sin. I want to quickly share in closing a couple of other, a few other texts to consider seriously in our lives. The thought of foolishness is sin. And the scripture is an and the scorner is an abomination to men. Proverbs twenty I'll get tongue-tied in a minute. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James 4:17. Think about it. You're driving down the street, and all of a sudden you see something. Maybe it's a car accident or a flat tire or whatever. And you have the inkling, well, I should help, but you keep right on going, which would be doing good. And in the conscience it becomes almost as a sin. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. A very serious charge. John 2 4. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1 8. But the most serious of all, we could have skipped some of those because you've read them over and over, I'm sure. But number five and six is significant. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3 8. And number six, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So I ask you this morning, how serious. And really the title of restate is just how serious is our obedience to God. I believe that I've sufficiently used enough text to prove that it's very, very serious. When God tells us to do something, He means it. And if we... Disobey or alter it, however slightly. We have rebelled in its essence against God. So I leave it with you to consider just how importance how important is our obedience to God. Amen.